Welcome back to another episode of Mostly Ghostly with myself, Matthew Fisher, and Ray Booten. Ray Booten, how are you doing over there? Doing pretty good. How about you? I'm doing pretty good myself. I, I just came back from a big little uh, vacay. We call them vacays. Uh, yep. Went visiting family out uh, in the Midwest. Did a little bit of... Uh... Visiting a little bit of ghost hunting. Oh, well, that's what I like to hear that on both on both the both accounts. Both good things to be doing. You catch anything good? I heard we're going to have a future episode where we discuss, you know, some certain things that went down. Oh yeah, used uh, an obelisk. Got some interesting messages off that, and uh, also used uh, recorded some EVPs and. Some of them get a little interesting and even a little nasty. Oh, feisty. Oh, yeah, when they're over there saying, get out. Yeah, it's it's not a little feisty. That's one good word. Yeah, they mean business. Oh, yeah. You know. So, uh, so this week's episode, we want to discuss things like white noise. And EVPs, you know what I mean? In a very topical situation of what's going on. You know, you caught some audio recently yourself, and I was telling Ray before the show that I I had a, uh, a little situation where I was listening to a record, and uh, the record was over, and uh, I just happened to be doing something else at the time, so I didn't rush over to shut it off type deal, and it, it, it like, I left it as is, and... The record was over, and it was dead silence for, uh, you know, I'd say a couple minutes, and then I heard, like, a weird frequency came through for real real quick, and it was, like, old-timey, I don't know, it was a very weird, it was, uh, I can't, it, yeah, it was, uh, I don't know, I can't really, it was, like, older, it was kind of, I could, you know, I can't. The record player doesn't have radio on it, so I couldn't... I don't know if that has anything to do with anything when it comes to something like that, if I picked up a frequency or, or if anything could, you know what I mean? But, yeah, it was weird. It was just real weird, and I I, I, I put down what I was doing at that point, I'll tell you that for sure, just to kind of think, ponder that for a moment. But that was weird, and I'm still pondering, so there you have it. So that brings us to this week's episode theme... Of the white noise, what lurks behind the white noise, and uh, EVP, Earth vs. Predator, kid. Here we go. So, uh, Ray? Yep. Have you ever had any other experiences with uh, the white noise before we pop in to, to, to like, the what it is and such? Anything you want to bring up? Uh... Have not had any experience. I've seen shows where they use a spirit box, which utilizes the white noise, the broad spectrum uh, radio frequencies to pull out the uh, words and let the spirit use them to communicate. But personally, haven't had any experiences, and until recently, uh, on that trip, haven't had any experiences with EVPs either. Until then, yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Good old white noise, the static in the TV. You know, in poltergeist style. 
Poltergeist the movie. Um, yeah. It's, uh, I've heard about this for a long, long time. This goes way, way, way back. Uh, probably because of Poltergeist, I think, might have made it the most famous, maybe? What's your opinion on that? Because you know how big Poltergeist was, and um, you know how big of a theme that is within the film. Films. Uh, well, know. it may have uh, triggered people to look into it and start to develop these devices. I know there was a movie called White Noise uh, with Keaton in it. Yeah, way later, yeah. Yeah, that was that was creepy. Yes, but uh, I think I told you the story of what, what I did to my daughter with that one. Uh, yeah, but you want to tell it here? You want the world to know? Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> we had seen that movie. And she was kind of freaked out, and place she was. We were living. She was uh, one of my daughters. She was living upstairs. That was her bedroom. She had a habit of going to sleep with the TV on. So I went upstairs to check things, and when I checked them, the TV was on. So I switched it over, and this is the old uh, TV, where if you put on wrong channel, all you get is that white screen and a crackling. You get the white noise. And I left it that way so that uh, she woke up. When she did wake up and looked at the TV, she saw the same thing that she had just seen in the movie, that white screen with the noise. Yeah. To, this, to this day, she has not forgiven me. <laughs> she was younger and that freaked her right out. I get a me inside. Well, I was having a little bit of fun. Playful, yeah. Yeah. The uh that's good though, I like that. It's fun to pull the little pranks on the on the, on the younger folks. <clears throat> but, well, you know, when when you take it that extra step and uh they go back to their room and they're all upset and they're looking at the TV and still freaked out. And you get on the, you get a wall on the other side of the wall and start scratching on it. That doesn't help either. I, <laughs> you know, there was a, I had a fun story where the, when you said that, this popped in my head. My, uh, my nephew used to do like camp outs in the backyards with his friends in the woods. And, um, I remember, um, down the street from him, there was a, a a lady that got shot and killed, right? It was a real violent thing. Rest in peace. I forget her name. And um, the they they did their camp out, and they were like right. They were close. You know what I mean? They were they were probably when I say down the street, that was an exaggeration, um, like in reverse effect, because they were probably like maybe three four houses away from it. You know what I mean? The situation. Yes. And it happened in the driveway. It was dark. It was super dark. Uh, multiple time, it was like a shoot, shot multiple times. It was like a really dark situation. So like they were doing this camp out, and I just happened to have been been in there stopping in, and I had this like Dario Argento score clip on my phone um, from like one of his films, and uh, and it was just like this lady doing this weird singing, but it was like a lady. You could tell it was a lady. Um, and, like, I went up to the tent, snuck up to the tent, and I put it up there, and I started playing it. And you heard that conversation, them going from conversation to, like, dead silence. And just ponder, like, what the hell are we hearing? Because they figured it was, like, the ghost of this girl. You know what I mean? And they got all freaked out, and that was funny. That was, uh, that, that, that jumped back in my memory when you said that. But... It's fun to it's fun to to, to to creep out the little ones, and uh, you use 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 certain things like that. 
my story, I was a bad guy. I never should have used that poor lady. Rest in peace to that lady that passed. I was kind of making, I guess, not really. It was no offense by it, but you know what I mean. Yep. Uh, white noise. So, you, I, I'll start up with a little, um, a little story, a little, little, I guess, you know, the factoids, I guess, if you will, supposedly, of, uh, this noise is white. Now, there's no black noise. This is a very, this is part of the problem right here, you know what I mean? Uh, well, actually, <laughs> if you look at it scientifically, they have about five or six different, uh, noises they ascribe color to. Oh, really? White being, white being the, uh, noise which encompasses all the spectrums. Yeah. Uh, the whole spectrum, what we hear, what we don't hear. Uh, when you put them all together, it's just like the color white is a combination of all different colors. Uh, white noise is a combination of all the different noises. I dig that. Makes sense. Does make sense, you know what I mean? Well, in a signal processing, white noise is a random signal having equal intensity at different tech, uh, at different frequencies, giving it a constant power spectral density. The term is used uh, with this or similar meaning in many scientific and technical disciplines, including physics, acoustical engineering, and telecommunications. In statistical forecasting, white noise refers to a st statistical model for signals and signal sources rather than to any specific signal. White noise draws its name from white light. Although light that appears white generally does not have flat power spectral density over the visible band. In discrete time, white noise is a discrete signal whose samples are regarded as a sequence of uh, serially inco uh, incoherent random variables with zero mean and infinite, infinite variance. Whew! A single realization of white noise is a random shock. Depending on context, one may also require that the samples be independent and have identical probability distribution. In other words, independent and identically distributed random vari variables are a simplest representation of white noise. In particular, if each sample has a normal distribution with a zero mean, the signal is said to be... Uh, Additive white Gaussian noise. The samples of a white noise signal may be uh, sequential in time or arranged along one or more spatial dimensions. In digital image processing, the pixels of a white noise image are typically arranged in a rectangular grid and are assumed to be independent random variables with uh, uniform probability distribution over some interval. The concept can be defined also for signals spread over more complicated domains, such as a sphere or a torus. An infinite bandwidth, while noise, uh, white noise signal is purely theoretical construction, the bandwidth of white noise is limited in practice by the mechanism of those generation, uh, by the transmission medium, and by the finite observation capabilities. Thus, random signals are considered white noise if they are observed to have a flat spectrum over the range of uh, frequencies that are 
uh, relevant to the context for an audio signal. The relevant range is the band of audible and uh, some frequencies between 20 and tw uh, 20,000 hertz. Such a signal is heard by the human ear as a hissing sound, resembling the ha sound in the sustained aspiration. On the other hand, the sh sound in ash is uh, a colored noise because it has a formant structure in music and acoustics. The term white noise may be used uh, for any signal that has a similar hissing sound. The term white noise is sometimes used in the context of uh, phylogenetically based slastistical methods to refer to a lack of uh, phylogenetic pattern in comparative data. It is sometimes used analogously in non-technical contexts to mean random talk with meaningful contents. Whew, that was a that was the toughest read yet, I think. So, yeah, what do you gather from all that? Uh, as it relates to the paranormal, yeah, that's I don't know. Uh, that was kind of uh, technical. I I like it when they just because uh, well, what they use in the paranormal, as far as I understand, is is different. It's a scanner which scans multiple um, radio frequencies. And because of that, it's picking up that constant background noise, and that's where you hear that hissing, like they're saying. Yeah. And uh, the energy of the words are available for those in spirit to speak to us. Truth. Yeah, that was a um, that was a lot. That was like that was like a book. That was like reading a, a fucking a book. That was a lot. That was wordy. Um. Yeah. You got the, uh, the the old statistical properties as well. This is very... I don't know if we need to get into all this super technical stuff. You know, we have others... We have the, e, the e, uh, EVPs, you know, very famous. You know, that's the other half of the coin on this one. Um, and that's, you know, within ghost hunting and uh, parapsychology, electronic voice phenomena, EVP are sounds found on electro electronic recordings that are interpreted as spirit voices that have been either unintentionally recorded or intentionally requested and recorded. Parapsychologist Konslantins uh, Rudiv, who popularized the idea in 1970s, described EVP as typically brief, usually the length of a word or short phrase. Enthusiasts consider EVP to be the form of a paranormal phenomenon often found in recordings with the static or the uh, other background noise. Scientists regard EVP as a form of uh, auditory pareidolia, uh, interpreting random sounds as voices in one's own language. And uh, a pseudoscience uh, prom promulgate by popular culture. Prozac explanations for EVP include apophenia, which is perceiving patterns and random information, uh, equipment, artifacts, and hoaxes. So, what can you do, you know what I mean? It's more of a... EVP is more of our way, I think, in our, our, in our, our show, you know what I mean? 
Well, I kind of disagree with the scientists. They're sounding more like they're not talking about EVPs. They're talking about the spirit box and the white noise. Yeah. When you talk about interpreting something out of the sound you hear, having done EVPs, um, where I walked into a situation and, I mean, they, they consider different... I know they have like a class one EVP is where you you state something or ask a question and a voice comes back and gives you something. Yeah. Now, if there are, if there's no white noise there or there's no sound or justification, everything is silent. When you hear that voice, you're not making something out of the noises like with a spirit box. You're not interpreting noise because there is nothing. Uh, recently... Uh, when I did do that exploring, that little bit of ghost hunting, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, I walked into a situation and I made comments, such as, you know, how do you like me here, that sort of thing. Um, I don't remember the exact words, but, and I got, I didn't hear anything at the time, but when I listened afterwards, I got clear words. They were mm-hmm. whispers, but they were very defined words. You can understand them. And it was in response to what I had said. So it's kind of like uh, there was no white noise. There wasn't anything else to make me think I heard that. Uh, I wasn't interpreting anything. I didn't even hear it at the time. I just did the playback and went, oh, really? Yeah. Whoa. So, uh, yeah, I'd say the white noise is a certain amount of interpretation from what I've seen and heard uh, watching shows. Uh, the EVP, uh, I tend to like that a bit better because if there is, in fact, silence or if it's something not heard at the time, then, uh, yeah, it's there was nothing to, for the mind to feed off of the twist around. You didn't make something out of the noise. There was no noise there. Yeah. Yeah, so like going back to the thing that I heard on the record play, what do you think that was? I would well if if you're talking an, an actual record player mm-hmm. and the needle is let was it still in a groove or was no, the needle like, uh, it, off? It put it no it, it was it, it was so long that like it was off. But like every the speaker with my record player, like if you kill the speakers, it kills the whole thing. That like the switches on the speaker. So like um, I like the record stopped and the arm was back in its holster. Uh, the gun was back in the holster, but. Um, it like, but the speaker was still on, you know what I mean? So it was still pumping electricity and like had a way for sound to come through it. It just wasn't, it's almost like if I just, you know, you turned on the electricity and just left it on in hopes to hear something. But I wasn't even thinking of hearing something. I was just like doing something else at the time. So it like just kind of put itself in rest mode. You know what I mean? Well, if the needle wasn't on the record and you had uh, electricity pumping through that uh, speaker, then, yeah, it worked a lot like you would uh, with an EVP. You just didn't record it. You had a a means there for something to use that electricity to express itself in the speaker, the vibration of the speaker, so that uh, that's where you get the sound from. Yeah, it was weird. It was a weird situation because, yeah, and it was like a... It was almost like an old broadcast, like was was chiming in or something. I don't know, but it could have been anything. I, you know, there was there was some type of 
something it was like something there was somebody talking and there was another kind of noise in it i don't know what if it was another person or if it was just i don't know something else but like i couldn't understand what was like what was being said it might not even i might not it was it was kind of quick it might not even have been a full phrase you know what i mean but it was like i couldn't understand what was being said but it was interesting i'd be more likely to just kind of leave it in that mode you know, in the future, possibly to see if I could grab anything. You know. What well, I mean? if you leave, if you leave it in that mode, it'd be interesting to leave the speaker in that mode, have a recording device, and ask questions and see if you can pick it, actually hear it, or whether just the recording device does. Yeah. And see which goes because I know that during that explanation, I was in a room alone and there was no one around, and I was about to leave the room. And I heard behind me in the empty room, I heard a word, and the word was said twice. And I was wondering, did I pick that up, or did I just hear it? When I listened to the, uh, actually the word was nope, and when I actually actually listened to the recording, I could hear it. So, it's, okay, that was not my imagination. In an empty room, something was saying no as I was leaving the room. Yeah. So that that's one where where I heard it and the machine and the recorder picked it up, and sometimes just the recorder because um, the app I use has a wide frequency range, mm-hmm. so that it is, you might miss something, but it will pick it up, and you, you can uh, go back and listen to it that way. But your the record, I definitely say you have a power source and a means for something to communicate there in the speaker. Uh, be interesting to. Uh, play with that then again if you want to do that in your own home because you don't know what might come through yeah interesting well back to the show boys and girls as the spiritualist uh, religious movement became prominent in the 1840s and 1940s with a distinguishing belief that the spirits of the dead can't uh, can be contacted by mediums. New technologies of the era, including photography, were employed by spiritualists in an effort uh, to demonstrate contact with a spirit world. So popular uh, were such ideas that Thomas Edison was asked in an interview with Scienti- Scientific American to comment on the possibility of using his invention to communicate with spirits. He replied that if the spirits were only capable of subtle influences and a sensitive recording device uh, would provide a better chance of a spirit communication that the table tipping and Ouija board mediums employed at the time. However, However, there is no indication that Edison ever designed or constructed a device for such a purpose. As sound recording became widespread, mediums explored using this technology to demonstrate communication with the dead as well. Spiritualism declined in uh, the latter part of the 20th century, uh, but attempts to use uh, portable recording devices in modern digital technologies to communicate with spirits continued. So that's kind of the beginning of it, which is nice. Yeah, it's interesting that science, uh, as a spiritualism, uh, faded out. Uh, people attempted to use science to keep the communication going. 
Well, science has kind of always been the enemy to the paranormal, right? Where it's just like they contradict each other. I think so, but I think that also is part of the mindset of the scientists who believe that it doesn't exist, so they do everything they can to explain it away. Yeah. Um, I've There was a particular channel I've watched and a show on it that was supposedly science-based that looks into things, and I think one of them had to do with the Bermuda Triangle, and they were in Bermuda, yeah. and there have been a lot of planes that have gone off course and ships that... Uh, the electronics suddenly didn't work or the uh, compasses, particularly in the older ones, wouldn't work and it hit reefs, yeah. a reef and sink and all this was going on and you had one scientist saying that there was a lot of uh, a particular type of rock that was magnetic throughout the whole area so the island would give off a magnetic field that could disrupt things mm. and he took he took a compass out of his pocket and he showed it to the guy doing the reporting. And then he bent down, picked up a rock, and held it near the compass. And the compass started going crazy. Now, my question is, if you have an entire island that is made of this, and you it affects ships going by and planes in the air, if that were really the case, uh, then... That compass should have been going crazy when you took it out of your pocket. Yeah. Not True. when you put a stone you picked up. And who knows who put that stone there. A stone you picked up and put it next to the compass. You're kind of contradicting yourself. Well, it can take a plane out of the air, but the compass works in my pocket. It's kind of like, well, no, wait, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> if it's that powerful, that compass isn't going to work anywhere near that place. Yeah. But I, I've seen several episodes that I stopped watching the show because they were so desperate to disapprove that they uh, a quick example they had someone uh, where they see a, people see a ghost ship mm. and uh, someone tried to recreate it in a lab and the best they could recreate uh, was a mirage where the ship show, showed but it showed upside down hmm. and the scientists were saying and you know someone will look at it and stop and see look I created it I said no um <coughs> Excuse me. I can tell you that ship is upside down. I mean, I can, I can see it upside down, and that isn't what people describe. But the desperation to disprove is there, and I think that's a problem when science looks at it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting take. You know, there's like, you get, uh, you know spiritual and paranormal side you have the science side and you have like the religious side they're all three of them like don't like you know they don't agree with each other and they're the three biggest entities probably you know what i mean well i think it changes a little bit it has in the recent future when you start looking into quantum physics yeah then uh then a lot of it is like uh okay now it's possible now it supports it um nothing Energy, your energy and they consider consciousness energy continues on some experiments they've done even in a quantum level they've been out, been able to teleport information there's all of this stuff you can do in quantum physics right from the simplest thing which is basically quantum mechanics is why a microwave works yeah. vibrating molecules 
up to more recent experiments that are starting to show that, oh, there's a whole big world out there that we've been denying that we should start looking into. Yeah. Quantum physics may be the black sheep of science? I know Einstein hated it. Oh. Interesting. Why is it the ones that are all that, that that aren't afraid to say that the other person's ideas aren't that bad are the ones that uh, are black sheeped? Interesting. What a world! What a dark world! Einstein's your boy, right? Um, I like a lot of what he said. It wasn't so much that he didn't uh, <clears throat> believe in quantum physics; he didn't like it. There's a certain randomness in quantum physics. And his, the famous quote from him is, uh, God doesn't roll the dice. He believed in an ordered universe, and quantum physics kind of disrupts that. There are things that it, like, do not make sense, and it allows for a certain randomness in the universe that he didn't approve of. Um, there's a difference between saying, I don't like it, and saying it doesn't exist. He admitted the existence. He just didn't like it. Yeah. I remember there was a weird 90s comedy where, uh, like, Walter Matthau played Einstein, and, like, uh, I want to say, like, uh, Tim Robbins was in there, and uh, some girl, and it was, like, Einstein was, like, a a subplot to the movie, like, the fact that it, like... It was weird. I, I I think I only watched it once, but I wanna I wanna say I could be dead wrong. I wanna say that the plot was like <clears throat> Einstein's best friend like was falling in love, and Einstein was like the best friend character in like the main plot, played by Walter Matthau. But I could be I could be dead wrong on that. But wacky. Whenever I think of Einstein, I, I can I, I I can never not think of. Walter Matthau is Einstein from this point on. <laughs> Walter Matthau, rest in peace. Good man. Big fan. You like Matthau's work? Yes. Good. Good man. The Hawk's a big fan, too. So, we'll go back into this thing. Uh, you know, the early interests of it. You got, you know, American uh, photographer Attila von Slezé. Uh, was among the first to try recording what he believed to be voices of the dead as a way uh, to argument his investigations in uh, photographing ghosts. He began his attempts in 1941 using a 78 RPM record. Uh, Interesting. Uh, But it wasn't until 1956, after switching to a reel-to-reel tape recorder, that he believed he was successful. Working with Raymond Bayless... Von Slay conducted a number of recordings sessions with uh, a custom-made apparatus consisting of a microphone and an insulated cabinet connected to an external recording device and speaker. Slay uh, reported uh, finding many sounds on the tape that could not be heard on the speakers at the time of recording, some of which were recorded when there was no one in the cabinet. He believed these sounds to be the voices of uh, discarnate spirits. Among the first recordings believed to be spirit voices were such uh, messages as, This is G, Hut Dog, Art, and Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to all. Von Slay and Raymond Bayless 
work, Bayless's work was published by the Journal of the American Society of Physical Research in 1959. Bayless later went on to co-author the 1979 book Phone Calls from the Dead. In 1959, Swedish painter and film producer Fredrik Jurgensen was recording bird songs. Upon playing the tape later, he heard what he interpreted to be his dead father's voice and then the spirit of his deceased wife calling his name. He went on to make several more recordings, including one that he said contained a message from his late mother. What do you think of that? I like that whole story with that film producer. I don't know if that's for show. You could have been doing that just to hype up a movie that he was pushing at the time. I think so. I also think that uh, there's a possibility. It's most likely he heard a, that other one heard a voice. As for it being the dead mother, we're always looking for someone, a loved one or someone in spirit, that we would love to get a message from. And we tend to identify very quickly that that's who it is. Uh, he heard a voice, could have been his mother, but I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that at least hearing a voice or getting a message. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to believe that story. I feel like it's a little too glitz and glammed up. And being a producer myself and knowing the history of producers, especially way back when they were doing very outrageous things to get people to see their movies, I could see somebody telling a little tale just to kind of try and sell some tickets but I'd like to believe that that was true. That was that was fun. I liked it. I, you know, I support it. And it was cool to get a kind of early, early, um, early take on the first recordings that were found, which was nice. Um, Radev voices. Konstantin Radev. You know, going from earlier back in our story with Konstantin himself, uh, a Latvian psychologist who had taught at the uh, Uppsala University. Uh, Sweden, uh, who had worked in a conjunction with Jurgensen, made over 100,000 recordings, which he described as being communication with discarnate people. Some of these recordings were conducted in an RF-screened laboratory and contained words Radev said were identifiable. In a attempt to confirm the content of his collection of recordings, Radev invited listeners to hear the interpret and, and interpret them for him. Which is, uh, for them, which is always trouble when the dude has to tell you what's being said. I feel like in a situation like that, if you can't understand what's being said in the recording, it's probably not being said in the recording. He believed that the clarity of the voices heard in the recordings implied that they could not be readily explained by normal means. Uh, he later published his first book, Breakthrough, an Amazing Experiment in Electronic Communications with the Dead, long title, in 1968. And it was translated into English in 1971. Um, yeah, I don't know. It'll be okay, though. Well, I, I agree. I agree with you. When you need someone to interpret, then you're you're searching. Actually, you're doing the opposite of what the scientist does. He tries to disprove, and you're trying to prove. You know, oh, I think. Did you hear something? Did you hear something? Oh, what does that mean? What is that noise? What is that? And you're starting to push, push, push until the mind comes up with something to justify your viewpoint that you did hear something from spirit, or it was a word, not just a noise. 
In the medium world, it reminds me of someone who says, hey, who do you love the most in your life? And they say, oh, my mother who passed. And they go, okay, I see your mother who passed. You know what I mean? Yeah, we, we've talked about also, we've talked about that in the past too. It's that, yeah. uh, it's better to just let it go. Um, on that exploring, I did, uh, EVPs and I've sent you the file you can listen to. Yep. And I haven't told you everything I got. I'm, yeah, I wouldn't want you to see what you hear. I dig it. And I've also mocked off at what point, like eight minutes into this or 10 minutes into that or seven minutes into whatever. I've mocked those points off right around the area. I thought I heard something. And there's three files. What I'm going to see is, you know, what did you hear and where was it? And then later on, we can both listen and compare to what we heard. But that's more of an, you're going to get yours. I'm going to get mine. We're going to pull it together and see what we have in common. What we have in common sounds like uh, the real thing to me. I like it. I, uh, yeah, everybody, that's a teaser, a uh, little teaser for, I think, next week's episode. The follow-up to this week will probably be that very episode. I'm very excited. I listened to some of the audio footage so far, and uh, it got me excited. I just got to get a good time to sit down with the notebook, listen to it each one, you know, a few times, take notes, and really uh, pack it on. But that'll be cool, and it'll probably be the next episode. I'd say, yeah, definitely... Uh, next episode of Mostly Ghostly, folks. So uh, we're going to go to Spiritcom and Frank's Box. You know, back with some more other things on here with the old uh, EVP world. In 1980, William O'Neill constructed an electronic audio device called the Spiritcom. O'Neill claimed that the device was built to uh, specifications which he received physically, psychically from George Mueller a scientist who had died six years previously at a Washington, D.C. press conference on April 6, 1982. O'Neill stated that he was able to hold a two-way conversation with spirits through the uh, SpiritCon um, device and provided design specifications to researchers for free. I wonder if you can get that online. Um, However, nobody is known to have replicated the results of O'Neill, O'Neill claimed using his own uh, spirit comm devices. O'Neill's partner, retired in, uh, industrialist George Meek, attributed O'Neill's uh, success and the uh, inability of, of others to replicate it to O'Neill's mediumistic abilities forming part of the loop that made the, the system work. Uh, that would, you know... That would be an important part of the puzzle that you would need, I'd say, you know, if he was a medium, like for sure, because those other people aren't even attempting to contemplate the reality of that situation, and he already knows it's real, so that that helps, (laughs) you know what I mean? Um, Oh, yeah, if he's a a medium and can communicate with the spirits, then he can verbalize it, but at the same time, he's sending out and opening up to make it lending energy so it's easier for the spirit to communicate and vocalize yeah so that might in, enhance the experience yeah so we got some modern interest in the in the development of uh, the EVP here we got in 1982 Sarah Estep founded uh, the American Association of Electronic Voice Phenomena the AAEVP 
in Savina Park, Maryland, a nonprofit organization with the purpose of increasing awareness of EVP uh, and of teaching standardized methods of capturing it. A step began her explorative of EVPs in 1976, and she has made hundreds of recordings of messages from the deceased friends, relatives, and extraterrestrials whom she speculated originated from other planets and dimensions. That's an interesting take. I'd like to hear that. I'd like to hear some video of, uh, some audio, rather, of extraterrestrial EVP. But it makes sense, yeah, I, right? I wonder where, they, wonder where they learned English, listening to our TV shows? Probably. They're big fans of the Roseanne show before they killed her off, I heard. Either that or Dukes of Hazard, and they're going to talk in a southern drawl. <laughs> That'd be funny. <laughs> That'd be good. I could appreciate that. Uh, they talk like Elvis because they're, they're big Elvis fans. That'd be fun. Um, oh, thank you. Thank you very much. That'd be great. Um, the term instrumental transcommunication, the ITC, was coined by uh, Ernst Senkowski in the 1970s to refer more generally to communication through any sort of electronic device, such as a tape recorder, fax machine, television sets, or computers. Between spare, I'll put record players on that list myself. Uh, between spirits or other discarnate entities and the living. One particular famous cl uh, claimed incidence of ITC occurred when the image of EVP enthusiast Frederick Jurgensen, whose funeral was held that day, was said to have appeared on a television in the home of a colleague, um, which had been purposely tuned to a vacant channel. ITC enthusiasts also look at the TV and video camera feedback loop of the Drost effect. Um, are you familiar with the Drost effect? No, I'm not sure what that is. Um, the Drost effect, known in art as an example of missing a beam, uh, I don't know what that is, is affected, uh, is the effect of a picture recursively ap uh, appearing within itself in a place where si the similar picture would realistically be expected to appear, creating a, a loop which uh, theoretically could go on forever but realistically only goes on as far as the image quality allows. Hmm. So I hmm. think it's like a like bounces back type deal. Interesting. It is kind of interesting. Uh, in 1979, uh, parapsychologist D. Scott Rogo described, described an alleged paranormal phenomenon in which people report that they receive simple, brief, and usually single-occurrence telephone calls from spirits of deceased relatives, friends, or strangers. Rosemary Gully uh, has written within the psychology establishment, Rogo was often faulted uh, for poor scholarship, which critics said led to enormous conclusions. Um, what's your take on that? I think the poor guy, the poor guy, probably just didn't have an education. But you don't really need an education to kind of do to be able to be in, in tapped tapped into the you know the reality of the situation. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I think uh, you got two ways. One is if someone wants something bad enough, then they just they get some evidence and they start just building it up and expanding on it and instead of going with what they have and not putting the rest out admittedly as theory it might be this or that they just say it is 
Um, the other side of that is this person doesn't have the education. The educated will, those with the education will refuse to acknowledge it. It's the, you know, they're not as smart as I am. They're not as educated as I am. They can't be right because they hate to be proven wrong. Yeah. Um, particularly in a lot of uh, science and whenever something comes out, it can be years and years and years before they'll accept it because no matter how good the evidence is, because it's going against the norm. And if you're talking about uh, spirit communication, that's definitely going against the norm as far as science goes. Yeah. Are you, have you heard any stories of somebody, you know, talking to uh, somebody deceased through the phone? Have you ever heard anything like that? I've heard about it, but never like anybody that I knew or, you know what I mean? I've heard uh, stories. I've heard people ask questions because they've seen uh, or not seen, but they've uh it's kind of like, can this can this happen? Because I got a call and I could have sworn could have sworn it was uh, my dead mother, for instance. Uh, people ask those questions. I don't know about that. I would think that if you have an electronic device, as soon as you have any form of energy and a means of communication, the spirit can use it. That's yeah. to me. I totally believe in that. Uh, so, would a phone call be possible? Definitely, I think a phone call would be possible. Particularly if the person was used to contacting you in that way. That's a means they can use. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard different stories of, like, you know, the phone calls from the dead has been, uh, when you when you go listening and reading ghost stories, you, you hear that one a lot. Whether it's, like, years later on birthdays. You know, I heard a story of a guy whose brother calls him on his birthday every year, and he, even though he passed, you know, people that have... You know, uh, like they die, like right when they die, you know, people get phone calls from them. You know, all types of interesting things. And it's it, it, the phone thing's interesting. It's kind of a yeah, it's weird. I wonder when uh, Edison did the, the telephone, right? He created yeah. the telephone when he when he did that. I wonder if he was dabbling in any dark arts in his in his uh, his journey. Uh, you know. Maybe you know the whole thing was telephones were created trying to, trying to, you know, make communication with the dead. You know what I mean? You never know. Well, I know that. Um, I know from a personal experience, uh, there was someone I knew that uh, passed on, and I was in the room when they passed. Yeah. And uh, I had gone home, and that night, yes, I was thinking about them a lot, and I heard someone knocking in the front door, and I went. And there's a small front porch and a yard out front. And I looked and there was no one there. I stopped walking away. There's a knock again. And this happened three times. And each time, because after the second one, I kind of hung around near that front window behind the blinds to see if I could catch anybody. Yeah. But I was wait, waiting for the knock and I'd look immediately to see if anyone was there. Well, a the knock came, looked out the window. There's no one out there. If they have the ability if they connect to somebody to try uh, to manifest and make a noise like a knock I think that if they're connected to somebody let's say it's a brother or another family member and uh, if they have that ability why wouldn't they be able to use a phone why wouldn't they be able to tap that way of communicating I think they can yeah yeah, I mean, it, it, cell phones would do the same thing then, right? You don't need a landline to talk to the to the to the 
Daily Departed? I think they would. Uh, they would work in much the same way. I'm very big on any energy source having the potential to facilitate or increase the probability of any communication because it would give them the energy. And, you know, you have a charged cell phone, there's energy right there. It would be a way for them to communicate. If you got a phone call from someone claiming to be a loved one, well, how would you take that? Um, a little skeptical. I might ask them some questions, particularly some private ones that only they know. And if they answered, then I'd try and jump in a conversation as long as I could hold it because it'd be good to hear from them. Would you take a collect call from someone claiming to be a somebody from the past? A collect call? No because I, I don't trust that they would need to make a collect call. Imagine that world. Woo! I, I think even... that if they if they can manip manipulate the phone and the energy, they can do so without it having to be a collect call. I don't think collect calls are even a thing anymore. No, I don't I don't think so. I haven't heard of the, heard that in a long time. They'll just they'll hit you on your on your pager. They'll beep you up. I haven't heard pagers in a long time either. <laughs> I know. I, know. <laughs> I, I remember having one. Speaking of pagers, in 1995, the parapsychologist David Fontana proposed in an article that poltergeists could haunt tape recorders. He speculated that this may have happened uh, to the parapsychologist Maurice Gross, who investigated the Enfield poltergeist, which is going back to the Warrens. I think they also investigated that. However, Tom Flynn, a media expert for the Committee uh, for Skeptical Injury, examined Fontana's article and suggested an entirely naturalistic explanation of the phenomena. According to skeptical investigator Joel Nickel, occasionally, especially with older tape and under humid conditions, as the tape travels, it can adhere to one of the gu guide posts. When this happens... Uh, on a deck where both supply and tape uh, and take up spindles are powered, the tape continues to feed, creating a fold. It was such a loop of tape, Flynn theorizes that the threaded its way amid the works of Gross's recorder. So he just said that it was something up with the tape. And he tried to go crazy with it, but realistically, he was just claiming there was an issue with the tape. That was no real paranormal. But haters are uh, gonna hate, right? Where, yeah, right, right? I, I, I kind of doubt that. Sounds like ultra skeptical won't accept anything that could be outside of uh, what they believe. Those people that are crazy skepticals are, are weird. They, they, they had to have had some type of issue at home as a child. The people that can't open up their minds, something must have happened. Like you meet the people that just can't, can't even begin to think that something out of the norm would be real, whether it be if paranormal talk or if you were gonna go into little, you know, little truther type stuff. You know what I mean? Um, people, people kind of, I, I don't know. People that can't open up their mind to at least the possibility, I always find a little suspect. Uh, me too. I mean, it's, uh, I won't necessarily agree with everything, but I'll say maybe yeah. quite often. Yeah. Who knows, you know? Yeah, who knows? Let me let me look into it a little farther. Could be. Sometimes I'll it's leave true, it. yeah. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. No, I'm with you. 
We got uh, in 1997, Amans Barus of the Department of Psychology at the University of Western Ontario conducted a series of experiments using the methods of EVP investigator Constantine Rudif and the work of instrumental uh, transcommunication researcher Mark Macy as a guide. A radio was tuned to an empty frequency in over 81 sessions, a total of 60 hours and 11 minutes of recordings were collected. During recordings, a person either sat in silence or attempted to make verbal contact with potential sources of EVP. Barus stated that he did record several events that sounded like voices, but they were too few and too random to represent viable data, and too open to interpretation to be described definitely as EVP. He concluded, while he did replicate EVP in the weak sense of finding voices on audio tapes, none of the phenomena found in our study was clearly anomalous let alone attributable attributable to discarnate beings. Hence, we have failed to replicate EVP in the strong sense. The findings were published in the Journal of Scientific Exploration in 2001 and include a literature review. In 2005... Uh, The Journal of Society of Physical Research published a report by paranormal investigator Alexander McRae. McRae conducted recording sessions using a device of his own design that generated EVP. When he when you design the product, not to be a skeptic myself, you got to that that's kind of uh, questionable too. In an attempt to demonstrate uh, that, but I guess if people don't design their stuff, we'll never get new things to work. In an attempt to demonstrate uh, that different individuals would interpret EVP in recordings the same way, McRae asked seven people to compare some selections to a list of five phrases he provided. And to choose the best match, McRae said the results of the listening panels indicated that the selections were of paranormal origin. Portable digital voice recorders are currently, currently the technology of choice for some EVP investigators. Since some of these devices are very uh, susceptible, uh, susceptible, susceptible to radio frequency uh, contamination, EVP enthusiasts sometimes try to record EVP in RF and sound screened rooms. Now, Ray, was there a time when when they would do when they would talk to the dead and actually have pencils and pads of paper? Uh, yes, it's called automatic writing. Yeah. Where you put yourself into a trance, and then you just you just write everything coming in into your head, and you just write it down. Um, what happens there is you have to compare what you write down with any information you can gather. It works best uh, like a medium. It works best when a person doing it doesn't know anybody anything about either the place or the people you want to contact. And then you take what they've written down and verify it with somebody who either knew the person or knew the history of the place that you're investigating, if that's what you're doing. Uh, you compare the writings. But, yeah, that's automatic writing uh, that just comes to you and you write it. It's not yours. It's the message you're receiving. Yeah. Yeah, that's another one of those things that could almost be dangerous where, uh, like, a Ouija board situation 
Because I've heard, I've seen people joke around with stuff like that before, and they sit down with a with a pen and a paper, and they close their eyes, and they try and be like a portal, be a vessel themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're opening yourself. You're opening yourself up, and that's a little tricky. You have to be careful. Uh, the uh, investigation I did, I said a prayer before and after. Uh, one thing I encountered, I used some prayer to fight it off. <laughs> um, but what I look for and like what I picked up was there was a situation when I was investigating where I walked into a room. Well, it was a prison and I walked into a cell and I don't remember exactly what I said. It was something like, I'm coming into your cell now. Ooh, and that then sounds so dirty. There's, there's a message and then it's the how you know do you like me being being in your cell yeah and there's a message as an answer to that so when you're asking you're stating something or you're asking a question and you get an answer okay it's kind of hard to disprove that because where did it come from it wasn't anybody there i was in there alone and it's not it's not my voice at all yeah uh it wasn't heard at the time so it's kind of, okay, this is not me speaking, alone in this cell, former occupant would probably be the best thing you, you could come up with because uh, someone in spirit, it has to be. But when you've tied that in, I think that's what they call a class one EVP, when you tie it into answer question sort of situation, uh, into the conversation you have when you're throwing stuff out there, then uh, yeah, I... I say it's kind of hard to disprove it, and if you do, if you do, you're probably going to have to come up with some long, convoluted thing just because you don't want to admit it. Yeah, I'm with you. A lot of skeptics out there with this stuff. Um, you know, some EVP enthusiasts describe hearing the words an EVP as an ability, much like learning a new language. Skeptics suggest that they claimed. Uh, the claimed instances may be misinterpretations of natural phenomenon, an avident influence of the electronic equipment by researchers, or deliberate influencing of the researchers and the equipment by third parties. EVP, EVP and ITC are seldom researched within scientific community, so, much, uh, so most research in the field is carried out by the amateur researchers who lack training and resources to conduct scientific research and who are motivated by subjective notions. That, was, uh, that got dark quick. That got insulting. Very insulting. It is, it is insulting because you're anticipating that uh, the, what you call the amateur is not going to use any sort of guidelines. Uh, in my case, yeah, I'm not a scientist. Um, I'll admit my youth, I was what some people would call a science geek. I love science in schools. Um, I was a member of a science club outside of school. I've maintained that. I have an interest in quantum physics. I'm constantly reading and trying to keep up on many things. When I go into, and part of my job at one time was a quality analyst, I had to analyze everything going on. Um, when I went in, for instance, uh, if I'm going to go into a place and I did this, it was I waited till I was alone before I stepped into the cell. No one was around me. I said specific things to try and get a response. And so I followed my own protocol 
okay, no one's here, no outside interference, no people. If they're going to talk about the equipment, I've got a pretty decent cell phone that I put down a damn good app on, and it came up with something. So I'd say, yeah, is it perfect scientific protocol? No. Um, was it structured the best I could under the circumstances? Yeah. Yes. And I think the results I got were pretty good. Yeah. You miss those days? Which ones? The old days. The being in college, learning all that stuff for the first time. I do a little bit. I do that on my own now. Um, I take online courses. I research. I see something. I do a lot of reading, which is great on the web to be able to um, access, whether it's uh, particularly science uh, sites. Uh, I belong to several science groups on the web and get updates and get information that way. So, yeah, I, I still miss it. I've never dropped uh, my curiosity. That's still there and constantly looking at what's coming out, and what's behind it, what it means, and that's that's still in my mind. It's, I don't think that'll ever go away. Well, yeah, once the curiosity and all that stuff leaves, it's, it's a wrap, you know. Then you get bored with life. Woo! Scary. You know? I have some explana explanations and origins of some of this paranormal, you know? And uh, the not-so-paranormal claims as well, the skeptics. But paranormal claims to the origins of uh, EVP include living humans imprinting thoughts directly on an uh, electronic medium through uh, psycho psychokinesis. Interesting. Uh, and communi communication by discarnate entities such as spirits. So that's the deal. Nature energies uh, being from other dimensions... Nature energy is an interesting one. What do you think? Of, well, let's take this one by one. The communication from when they say uh, it's imprinting thoughts directly on electronic mediums through tele psychokinesis. So they think that they're, put, they're, they're, they're mentally putting these thoughts into these recordings. That's what they're going with. Uh, they're going, basically they're going with that. I want to say if someone has that sort of ability, they've got a kick-ass mind. Yeah. They, <laughs> if, they, if they can put their thoughts on a tape or into a digital, uh, recorder, which would open the door that they could also put their thoughts out there and receive information from other entities, whether it be other dimensions or the dead, uh, it leaves it open to, I remember one time I was with somebody discussing mediumship, uh, years ago. Yeah, and the person said uh, they didn't believe it, and I said, "No, you're just reading people's minds." Right. And I, I kept my mouth shut because I was thinking that'd be pretty kick-ass if I could go in this room and read everyone's mind. You think that isn't just as good as talking to the dead? It's like a super so, villain. It's like being a super. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that. I mean, come on. Uh, yeah. They do sci-fi films about that. Yeah. Really? One, one is really that much uh, is less amazing than the other. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, uh, in their super in their comic book about their supervillain, they get their power from the dead. That that, that that's how that goes. Uh, so yeah, I don't know about that one, but uh, you know, nature, 
the nature energies. What do you think on that's kind of interesting because like with nature and all that and earth, you know, the earth is a living thing and it creates all the plants that it has, you know, it's living and it creates the oxygen and stuff. So like it's its own people kind of forget that the earth is like a living thing too, like a person. It definitely so, is, and there's something called I think it is called uh, is it Schumann? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's a Schumann resonance. And the earth actually gives off a vibration that can be measured. And it has been on the rise now for years, which supports the, uh, if you're talking about uh, everything having uh, a vibration, the higher the vibration, the closer to the spiritual realm you, you come, then uh, the earth is undergoing a change and putting out its own vibration. Uh, crystals do. Crystals have vibrations, and they're part of the earth. Uh, if you're familiar with ghost hunting at all, you know that when they go into areas that have a lot of quartz, uh, a lot of things manifest in those areas. Um, quartz or different crystals can be used if you go way back to, and I can remember this with the uh, science stuff, stuff, that you used to be able to build a small radio with just some basic things in a quartz. Yeah. A little crystal in it. So, yeah, the earth itself is alive. Everything on the earth is alive. It has its own energy flowing through it, and that can influence things. Uh, and that could be potentially influence recordings. Yeah. <coughs> I agree. It's, uh, yeah, the earth's a weird thing. You ever see the happening? It's like a, a Mark uh, Wahlberg. Uh, don't think so. Shyamalan movie. The, it's a, the plot is like the earth, the earth, like, like the movie's not that good, but the actual story and plot to it's like really cool where it's like the earth, I believe it's the earth, like decides to like fight back and like kill off people. And it like, I think it releases like something out of the trees into the oxygen and they breathe it and they go crazy and like kill themselves. It's, it's, uh, which is dark but like it's almost like I, I can see that as being a reality like a real dark reality you know and the, the topic of uh, you know humanity kind of being the, uh, you know a cancer on the earth you know just because we, we you know you cut, you know cutting down all the trees to make land you know, there's more people more people more people and stuff you know what I mean so I mean it's only a matter of time before I feel like you would try and fight back and attempt to save itself you know what I mean and uh, I could see like I could see it almost one day evolving and if it could if it could figure out I'm sure it could it's ancient you know what I mean it's it's been around longer than all of us so like if it could figure out a way to like get rid of us or like minimize us it would it probably could it got well, when you go when you go into many cultures yeah. um like, for instance, Native American believed that the stones hold history. And also a lot of cultures, they're not linear like the, like uh, a lot of the world is today. A lot of Aboriginal cultures, uh, it's more circular. Yeah. And everything goes in cycles. And if you take those cycles on a lot, <clears throat> excuse me, a very large scale, Instead of just years, you talk, talk about hundreds of thousands of millions of years. There have been a lot of different cycles. Uh, I think every 750,000 years, the pole shift, roughly, uh, that time frame, and we're due for another pole shift. Yeah. And that's going to change things. You're looking at uh, 
tidal waves, earthquakes, possible volcanoes. Um, So the whole, all of these cycles continue, and each time a cycle comes through the Earth, you could say, uh, refreshes herself. Uh, Mother Earth kind of renews herself, restructures. And right now we're just a bunch of crazy little greedy cockroaches running around, and once the next cycle goes through, then uh, who knows what's going to be the dominant species, or who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. No, I'm with you. The next up, the next up is beings from other dimensions, which could be either spiritual, I guess, or like negative beings. You know what I mean? Like insomniac beings. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a definite possibility, right up there with spirits from people or other influences. Once you say other dimensions, you open a whole big door, whether it be aliens, whether it be the dead, whether it be demonic. I mean, we live in even science in what we call a multiverse, multiple universe and multiple dimensions. And, uh, yeah, going back and forth between them or communicating between them because they are all linked on on a very basic level, definite possibility. There could be a dimension where Planet of the Apes is a real thing. Well, one theory in science is that every time you make a choice, you actually uh, live out both of those choices. You're only aware of one of them. So there's a mo- so that you're constantly creating new realities by your choices. Yeah. And parallel lives and universes. Yeah. It'd be interesting. Yeah, we got extra terrestrials is another one they think it could be which what's your take on that they, they taught they brought that up briefly earlier and then that that made me think what's your thought on it, it being extraterrestrial um could be that brings to mind there was a movie uh, earth versus the flying saucers mm-hmm. and early on in that some people have a uh they hear a noise as a flying saucer is driving over the car. They happen to have a tape recorder going. It's an older movie. Yeah. And they, they think it's a background noise. Later on uh, in the movie, after they missed the message of the aliens, and the aliens are attacking things on Earth, uh, two people with the tape recorder that are trapped in a building, uh, the recorder battery is running down. And they, the tape plays, and now they hear a message telling them not to do something. Now, they heard a noise that sounded like a screechy background noise. But until they slowed it down, uh, by accident in that case, but until they slowed it down, when they did slow it down, they heard the actual message that was there. So if we're talking white noise... We're talking uh, different frequencies, particularly with the digital equipment we have. Uh, could it be aliens? Could there be messages in there? Uh, whether it's interdimensional or aliens, yes, they could be. Yeah. It's truth. Yeah. Well, aliens, that would be... I'd be, um, it's interesting, you know, it could be all just a way to, you know, the whole, you know, imagine that, imagine finding out that everything, everything that you, all the paranormal stuff, where it's like an alien thing, 
and they just tapped into people's brains to like become look like their loved ones and stuff like that. Well, you know, the Earth and the entire universe could be in a in a science jar for some alien kid project and stuff, and who knows what's going to happen. Who knows? And sometime when the project's over, or we're just a hologram and they're playing a game. Uh, but, yeah, and all of it would be, I'd be very curious, and I doubt the all of it is, but uh, could there be some messages mixed in there? I think there could, definitely could be. I would love to have an episode where we have like some of the most stand-up, wackiest people in the world come on the show and uh, give us their explanation of how they think the world's going to end or go crazy. Well, I'll tell you that some people listening to the show probably think I'm one of the wackiest ones. It depends upon your point of view. They can battle off with you, and whoever wins gets a T-shirt or something. I support that. Uh yeah, I think you know that uh, that battle would be worth about a T-shirt. Yeah, that that would be worth it. <laughs> Maybe we'll get him a hat too. I support that. Oh, oh, big time now! You get a hat too. Come on, get it on. <laughs> and uh, we got here. Got one study uh, by psychologist Amance Barus was unable to replicate suggested paranormal origins for EVP. Recorded under controlled conditions. Uh, Brian Regal of Sado Science, a critical encyclopedia from 2009, book I guess, written a case. Uh, a case can be made for the idea that many EVPs are artifacts of the recording process itself, with which the op- operators are unfamiliar. So that's interesting. So that's like. From our things from our past. Interesting. Now, when they say, what I'm curious about is they say that they're unable to duplicate it. Are they going into a sterile lab where nothing happened, turning something on and saying, aha, uh-huh, no message? I mean, I went through the, into a massive building recently that yeah. um, had been a prison. There'd been a lot of violence. I mean, one person in there set themselves on fire in their cell. I, uh, executions and everything. I would like to say, okay, you get a week in this place. You set up your scientific experiments according to your own parameters in this place with the equipment that you know how to operate and uh, attempt to, to interact. And then we'll see what we, we get and we'll discuss it as opposed to... Um, you're doing this in a lab somewhere and expecting a, a result. Yeah. You have to go into a high-energy place where there have been occurrences. I'm going to go uh, out on a limb and say that guy in the in the prison that didn't, that, that, uh, that supposedly set himself on fire probably didn't set himself on fire. That was probably like uh, someone hooked it up for him. It just sounds like uh, of all the ways to uh, go, why would you no, want to go that way? He did, uh, from what I from what I learned in history, that, that particular person, he got a hold of some lighter fluid, yeah. set himself on fire, then pulled a blanket over him in the corner so the cards could, guards could not get to him. He, not the blanket, excuse me, the mattress, he and the mattress, everything basically burned right down the cinder. They couldn't, they couldn't get to him or put it out on time. And that's how he committed suicide when he was put in there. 
it was a pretty brutal place. It's, there was a lot of violence in there. I see. I'm, I'm, I have a vision of a dude being like killed, and then put in the corner of a room with gas poured on him and his mattress, and then like lit on fire. I had a vision, right? And they, they, they was the, the guards did it, and they only they they only tell the story there about what ha- that happened a different way. Well, even if the guards did do it that way, yeah, then then now you have not not a desperate spirit haunting the place. Now you have an angry spirit haunting the place. Which is one no, way or the other, you got an you got a spirit in there. There's no bueno. Yeah. Yeah. It gets dark. Well, they got some natural uh, explanation. They got a natural explanation for this bad Larry too here. Now, then the people that think it's natural is uh, there are a number of simple scientific explanations that can account for why some listeners to the static on audio devices may believe they hear voices, including radio interference and the tendency uh, of the human brain to recognize patterns and random stimuli. Some recordings may be hoaxes created by frauds or pranksters. I'll partially agree with this. Some may be uh, pranksters or hoaxes. Yeah. Uh, but that sounds like they're talking more about a spirit box, which I trust less because of uh, human nature wanting to hear something and how gobbled it is to be able to uh, pick out a word. Uh, that's why my preference is a good revo- recording device uh, in a quiet place, in an EVP where you're, there's no other sound except for the voice talking back to you. Yeah. And even if the machine is the only thing that picks it up, um, as opposed to uh, uh, spirit box kicking out static all the time. That's a personal preference. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, there are, you, you, I agree 125% with you on frauds out there. There's a lot of people that'll fake it. And with the pranksters, um, there, more recently, there's these videos floating around. I don't know if you get caught up with them. They're on, uh, like, Facebook. You can get in these little holes with them with Facebook where uh, they're, like, they're like top ten lists and shit. And there's a dude with this, like, uh, he's, like, a really young kid, I think. His voice, he's got a really, uh, we'll say unique voice. Uh, we'll be polite. He's got a very unique voice and, like, he narrates all these, like, these, these, they're like supposedly caught on video ghosting. Some of them actually look pretty fucking like creepy and scary. Some of them look a little, you know, not so much. Some look really fake. You know what I mean? Um, but like he narrates. So I think that that's kind of like the pre- the prankster side of it um, would probably be fit more that, that type of stuff. But there are the frauds, which are like the ones that are supposed to be legitimate, serious, you know. Like that Bigfoot video, not to bring up Bigfoot in a time of seriousness, but um, what do you think of, like, that, you know, that famous footage of Bigfoot walking through the woods, like, there's high speculation that that is just a guy in a suit, and they're, 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 it's not really, you know, the super, superstar Bigfoot. Um, from the... The best videos I've seen of that, the way the hair moves and the indication of some kind of musculature underneath, I don't know if they would have the ability to create that type of suit for somebody at that time 
and yeah. if we would see that. So that definitely has to be, uh, to me, a possibility. There's, a, I have a, I don't know, I th- it might be like a later Faces of Death, like the 2001, um, where it has, I think, alien footage in it. And there's like footage that was from an era that the foot, the, the special effects that are in that, 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 uh, video weren't like, they, they were better than everything that was in the movies at that time. You know what I mean? So like, I'm very curious. I'm very curious to, uh, I want to peep into that a little more. Have you seen any of those videos? Maybe you've seen the one I'm talking about. It's for like older, it's older, black and white. Um, they're all kind of black and white, but like it was, it felt really legitimate black and white. Um, and it's, uh, it's miss. I remember it was missing a leg or maybe in like maybe a hand, but like it was oh. laid out on a table. It looked ridiculous. Like it, I see it, it, that that's the, the footage that I've seen throughout my years of seeing, you know, alien foot is that that was like the most realistic that I would have said, Oh my goodness, this is the. This is the deal. How about you? Uh, I think I've seen it. Uh, one thing that happens, and I imagine you share this also, yeah. um, but with me, uh, okay, what's not a secret with people who know me is I'm a big fan of the older creature features. Right. And recent ones, but also going back. And I love, and I've seen biographies on and um, took a film course and did some stop motion uh, special effects. So that when I look at something, uh, and I have a collection of these, when I look at something, I'm always studying how it was done. Uh, some of the techniques I know, looking into the way it was done, and particularly for a time period. So if I'm, if I end up seeing a video that's supposed to be, let's say, an alien autopsy or a Bigfoot or something, I take what I know from uh, the old films, the new films, uh, what, I, what I've what i done, and I apply that to, okay, how would I make it? Or yeah. how could they have done it? And if it stumps everything, particularly if, it's, if it stumps... It goes against everything in a time frame if, if it is legitimately old that no one had even come up with a technique be able to be able to pull that off and yeah. it would be difficult even now then I'm going to say you know this one might be real yeah. it just might be real it's truth we got the uh, psychology and perception point of view on it is uh, auditory pareidolia is a situation created when the brain incorrectly interprets random patterns as being familiar patterns. In the case of EVP, it could result in an observer interpreting random noise on an audio recording as being a familiar sound of a human voice. Uh, The propensity for an apparent voice heard in white noise recordings to be in a language understood well by those researching it, rather than in an unfamiliar language. Uh, has been cited as evidence of this. I think you cited that as well, right? And uh, and a broad class of phenomena referred to by author Joe Banks as Rorsash audio has been described as a global explanation 
of uh, all manifestations of EVP. In a 2019 investigation of a supposed haunted uh, printing in a West Virginia museum, paranormal researcher Kenny Biddle investigated the claims made by the museum owner and ghost hunter that an EVP recording clearly saying uh, the woman's name, Annie, is really the voice of a woman in the portrait. First off, the name Annie is written on the back of the portrait, which primes anyone listening for the name to know uh, what name to listen for. Secondly, the EVP was created using a Radio Shack radio uh, modified to allow it uh, continu- to continually scan through the available AM, FM frequencies without muting the sound. A general question by the ghost hunter, uh, what is your name? I can guarantee sooner or later you'll hear something that sounds like a name, and there is a good chance of being a name because you're listening to a radio broadcast news reports, commercials, and so on, which often include names. Biddle uh, lists words such as company, any, anything, anyone, mahogany, many, or even any as words that can be commonly heard while listening to the radio. The phrase and he uh, would also sound like Annie to anyone primed to listen for the name Annie. Skeptics such as David Fitterlein, Chris French, Terence Hines, and Michael Shermer say that EVP are usually recorded by raising the noise floor, uh, the electrical noise uh, created by all electrical devices in order to create white noise. When this noise is filtered, it can be made to produce noises which sound like speech. Federline says that this is no different from using a waha pedal on a guitar, which is focused uh, a sweep filter, which moves around the spectrum and creates open vowel sounds. This, according to Federline, sounds exactly like some EVP. This, in combination, in combination with such things as cross modulation of radio stations or faulty ground loops can cause the impression of paranormal voices. The human brain evolved to recognize patterns, and if a person listens to enough noise, the brain will detect words, even when there is no intelligent source for them. Expectations also play an important part in making people believe they are hearing voices in random noise. I believe that thing about the brain putting together this, they'll put something together. I think that's possible. Because, uh... I do, we think we do listen for patterns. I think there's something everywhere, you know what I mean? Uh, apophenia is related to, but distinct from, pareidolia. Uh, apophenia is defined as, uh, the sp- as the spontaneous finding of connections of meanings and things which are random, unconnected, or meaningless, and has been put forward as a possible explanation. According to psychologist Jack O'Clock, uh, what people hear in AVP recordings can be explained by apophenia, cross-modulation, or expectation of wishful thinking. A clock concluded, electronic voice phenomena are the products of hope and expectation. The claims either way under the light of a scientific scrutiny. Yeah. Some of that was realistic and got a little hard in the end. But... You know? No, I think I think what they're doing there is they're they keep on going back 
between uh, back and forth between Spirit Box and EVP. I'd say they're two separate things. Yeah. Um, if you're talking what I call a pure EVP, and that there's no, you're not recording a Spirit Box, for instance. And I agree, you will try just like the mind will attempt to create images you can see patterns and things easiest one to think of is you know oh look at that cloud looks like a teddy bear that sort of thing yeah uh the kids do yeah we can do that with sounds but if you have an evp where there are no other sounds you ask like i did you ask a question you don't hear anything you ask a second question don't hear anything you leave when you go back and you listen to something later and there's a clear voice where did that come from? There were no other sounds. If there was no one else there, if not your sound creating it when a voice actually comes through and says something clearly, I'm not talking a gobbled background noise, a clear words, you aren't creating it. Something else outside of you created it. You recorded a voice from the other side. Yeah. And I think we do have to distinguish very much because they seem to be bouncing back and forth there between oh spirit box evp evp spirit box white noise evp uh wait a minute wait a minute which one are you talking about <laughs> pick one or the other but don't just start throwing them back and forth like that yeah well, we get the physics as well you know interference for example is seen in evp recordings especially those recorded on devices which contain rlc uh, security uh these cases represent radio signals of voices or other sounds from broadcast sources. Interference from CB radio transmissions and wireless baby monitors or animalities uh, generated through cross-modulation from other electronic devices are all documented phenomena. It is even possible for circuits to uh, resonate without any internal power source by means of radio reception. Record player kind of stuff. Uh, capture errors are animalities created by the method used to capture audio signals such as noise generated through the over-amplification of signal at the point of recording. Artifacts creating created during attempts to boost uh, the clarity of an interesting recording might explain some EVP. Methods including resampling, frequencies isolation, and noise reduction or enhancement, which can cause recordings to take on qualities significantly different from those that were present in the original recording. The very first EVP recordings may have originated from the use of tape recording equipment with poorly aligned erasure and recording heads, resulting in the incomplete erasure of previous audio recordings on the tape, this could allow a small percentage of previous content to be superimposed or mixed into a new silent recording. Yeah? Thoughts on that one? Um, I think that they're reaching it trying to say everything is a radio interference or a machine interference. Um, you're trying to knock it and you're going really, really heavy into knocking it. I would probably say that most people with a good digital recorder now, and again, in a circumstance, and if you take, um, if you go into some place that is completely quiet mm -hmm. and you have a good digital recorder, 
I don't think you're going to be pulling down radio stations, and I don't think the circuits in there are going to be pulling down uh, radio stations or are going to start creating their own words. Yeah. I would tend to say if the circuitry and the electricity and the device is creating words, who is, if you're going to go that far, well, who is to say something in spirit is manipulating that to create those words, True. manipulating the device or the uh, power? It could be that also. Truth. Yeah. I'm with you, man. There are all, there's a lot of good contenders for this uh, within their beliefs. Uh, you know, I feel like throughout these, uh, there, there, there's uh, there's some quality stuff in each one. I feel uh, sporadic meteors and meteor showers is also up on the up on there. Uh, for all radio transmissions above 300 millihertz, uh, 30 millihertz, which are not a ref, ugh, which are not reflected by the ionosphere, there is a possibility of meteor reflection on the radio signal. Meteors leave a trail of uh, ionized particles and electrons as they pass through the upper atmosphere, a process called ablation which reflects transmission radio waves which could which would usually flow into space these reflected as waves are from transmitters which are below the horizon of the received media reflection in europe this means the brief scattered wave may carry a foreign voice which interfere with radio receivers meteor reflected radio waves last between 0.05 seconds in one second, depending on the size of the meteor. Interesting. I didn't think they were going to bring meteors into this shit. I like to bring anything they can to try and explain it away. To me, that falls into the... When you're talking about radio waves, they're falling into the spirit box, not the EVP. Yeah. Uh, even that's... a Even that's a bit of a stretch. I mean, there's enough clutter out there in radio waves that... Uh, whether a meteor is helping or not, it's still going to be all jumbled white noise. And the mind, yes, might put together a word if, you, if you're looking for something. But, uh, yeah, uh, what are they going to say next is going to cause it? I'm kind of curious as to uh, the disprovers, what they're going to say disproves it next. Is it the wind going by that actually creates a static that, uh, creates an electrical charge that causes your equipment to malfunction, that causes the voice to come through, then you hear a word. I mean, at what point do you say, okay, wait a minute, yeah, all this stuff to one degree or another is out there, but somewhere in here, particularly, I'll go back to it being an EVP and not a spare box, I heard a voice clearly. Yeah. You know, I explained that, and particularly if it answered a question I asked. So, yeah, I think they're going very heavy in the spirit box realm and trying to come up with everything they can to possibly, uh, with that white noise from a spirit box, to create some sort of words or something that uh, would come through on those radio waves. Yeah. Well, hey, that, uh, that wraps up this episode of uh, Mostly Ghostly. With our, our subject matter in there is, uh, you know, EVPs and white noise. And if we've learned anything today, I'd say, hey, check out White Noise with Michael Keaton. It's a good flick. Right, Ray? Oh, yeah, that, that, that one's creepy. I like that one. Do you want to say anything else in closing on our episode? 
Um, if you are going to use equipment, um, okay, my personal preference is stay away from the uh, spirit box. Uh, find a good recorder, good, clear, good range. Control your situation. Know where you're at. Know what might cause interference. Try and have a conversation and look for an answer to your questions or something pertinent to what you're doing or what you're saying. And trust it. Trust that that is spirit coming through. Someone in spirit is communicating with you. Uh, just go with it. Uh, you don't seek for what's not there, but don't deny what's there also. Yeah. I dig it. Word up. Well, another another episode of Mostly Ghostly. Ray, I want you to have a great day, great evening, I should say. And uh, we'll catch all y'all folks on the next episode of Mostly Ghostly. Bye. Bye. everybody to your favorite show on the paranormal you know the ghostly the spiritual the 